Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel. I'm Brian Dawes. And I'm Chris Delano. One day we'll do cold opens again when we remember. Uh, until then, <laughs> you just get our names. Uh, so uh, this week we are doing Flavor Gems of Jumpstart, which is a small set. There are not a whole lot of new cards, but there are a ton of new basic lands. So this is going to kind of be evenly split between spells and lands, which is kind of a new thing for Flavor Gems, which is exciting. But before we head into that, we have a couple announcements. The first is our ongoing June announcement that uh, we are donating our, all our June Patreon money to the Marsha P. Johnson Institute, which is a group that is advocating for legal rights and community building in black trans communities across America. Um, they do a lot of support for the arts and ha getting black trans voices uh, in larger communities and outside of the community as well. So that is something we are supporting. Uh, we would love if everyone could, who is able to support that as well, to, to do that. We'll have the donation link up on our SoundCloud, at the Vorthos Cast, on our Twitter, at the Vorthos Cast, and on Tumblr at the Vorthos Cast. So if that is something you can join us in, uh, thank you so very much. And if not, just, you know, just a retweet or something or just sharing the link uh, with folks, you know, is still extraordinarily helpful. Our second announcement is that last week we released an episode called Beyond the Multiverse number one, Rune Terra. And so this is a series that we kind of talked about a little bit. Um, I quote quotes on series. It's, it's a loose series. So uh, every now and then we had the idea of doing bonus episodes where we kind of explore another IP and the lore of whatever the thing is. So these are not going to be a structured release. They will be released as we find people to make them with. This, you know, th this is a series that we want to bring guests on for. We want to work, you know, so this first episode we talked about Runeterra, the world behind League of Legends and Legends of Runeterra. And I think there was another game in there. Um, but so we had uh, Michael Yichel on, who's a narrative designer at Riot. A friend of mine used to work at Wizards. Um, and we got to talk about that world and those characters and what it's like to make those games and whatnot for, I think it was about an hour. And so this is something that's going to happen whenever. And we would love to talk to whomever about things so this is the kind of thing where you know if there's an ip that you really want to learn more about uh reach out to us and maybe it's something we can get together maybe maybe we know someone in the industry who's working on that thing that we can talk to or maybe we have a contact for a content creator who does something with that ip's lore that we can bring on and talk to uh, all, all those kinds of um, opportunities are something we're just going to kind of be aware of and uh, just uh, produce some interesting new content. Because, you know, like, we love magic, but uh, we love other things, too. And this is just something else to do. It's something we're experimenting with. So, you, you know, you can find that episode up on all of our things Give it a listen and let us know what you think. Because, uh, you know, you know it's, this is a new thing we're going to be trying out things new stuff and whatnot feedback is awesome so uh go listen to that 
if you like to, but I would like you to. It would be very nice. Bottom line, just enjoy it. Yichal's great. I love Yichal. Uh, still super happy for him for being at Riot and doing all that stuff. Uh, Runeterra's great. I have not played League of Legends. So, Chris, you've been playing it. I have been playing it. Um, yeah, League of Legends is super fun. Uh, I do think that it is got a really interesting lore behind it, and I definitely bought the book that we mentioned in the podcast about the world of Runeterra and think it's really cool. They have a big uh, coffee table book, art book, and there's a bunch of short stories in there. So it's, it, it's kind of like the Art of Magic the Gathering books, but uh, more geared for Runeterra. Uh, I will say, if you are listening to this podcast and you happen to be a content creator or a person who works in one of these IPs and you want to get your IP involved in our show, uh, let us know. If you're like a super secret fan of the Vorthos cast and you're working over at, I don't know, uh, Blizzard, and you want to talk about Warcraft, come come hit us up and talk to us about it. Um, that would be really great. If you work at Blizzard and work on Overwatch, we will still also talk to you. Yes, but if you work at Blizzard and you work on, like, I don't know, Starcraft, you can just stay home. It's fine. And then talk to us at home. No, I, I'm sorry. One of my partners loves Starcraft. If there is anyone at Blizzard who works on Starcraft lore who... Or, or even just a fan who makes content about StarCraft lore, please come on our show and talk about StarCraft, because my girlfriend uh, will uh, love that immensely. But that's enough about us. Let's talk about Magic. So Jumpstart is kind of a unique product. Uh, you get two 20-card booster packs, mush them together to a 40-card deck, plays like Limited. Each sealed booster is of a single theme. We had a couple preview cards for it. And, uh, that's the thing. There's uh, a handful of new legends. There's uh, some fancy new spells. Um, like I mentioned at the top of the episode, uh, each theme has its own basic land. So uh, we're just going to head in and we're going to start with a new legendary creature named Bruvac the Grandiloquent. And this is the mill doubler. You mill a thing? Nah, you mill it twice. Bruvac is a judge in the Azorius. And you can tell by his garb and uh, kind of the style of play that he encourages that he he's kind of our legendary persistent petitioner, which I think is adorable. Uh, and also frightening, because those cards <laughs> are playable in Brawl altogether. Don't like it. Mill just got keyworded. I really like that we have, like, a Mill Lord now. Really cool commander. A really cool card concept. Something that is really awkward in a regular set, I think, because this is very powerful and limited. And the way Jumpstart works kind of lessens its rarity, allows it to be pushed a bit. I, th I think it's a really cool concept. Yeah, I'm expecting a lot of EDH decks that are led by Bruvac, the Grandilo Grandiloquent, and then uh, 64 copies of Persistent Petitioners and 35 Islands. Awful. Garbage. <laughs> Garbage. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm never going to build that deck, but I'm expecting to see it. Uh, and then it'll lose really bad because someone at the table will just combo them out. It'll be fine. Or they just kill it. They you, they never let you untap with it. Like, you better have something on board that lets you mill, because if not, no one's letting you untap with that. But you, you don't cast it without counter support. Come on, Brian. That's blue mage 101. 
No, you're you're not playing counter spells though. You're playing only sixty four copies of persistent petitioner. No, you gotta play counter spells. If if you're playing mono blue persistent petitioners on arena in brawl, they're they're not running like they might run. No, they they do run some counter spells. They they run like um what you call it uh didn't say please and whatnot. In uh thought collapse, but yeah, I just love the flavor text for for this card, and furthermore. Because you know Grand Eloquent is actually a real word, right? Yes. I actually looked up that word and it was like, makes sense. It, the, the, for F, FYI, for anyone who wants to know, the definition for Grand Eloquent is pompous or extravagant in language, style or manner, especially in a way that is intended to impress. And if that doesn't say Azorius, nothing will. Yeah, I, I love when we can get really specific jargony stuff into magic. Uh, I just got ignipotent into Arena, so feel good about that one. Oh my lord. Word of the day. So the next card that we're going to talk about is Kels Fight Fixer. Kels. Kelsey. Um, Kelsey the Fight Fixer. It's not uh, Kelsey. She... It's Kels or Kels. Kels, Kels or Kels. I don't know if it's uh, a soft S or a, a sharper S. More like a Z. But Kels. It's not Kelsey. She's an Azra Warlock from, uh, of course, Valor's Reach. Over there in the grand old Kylum plane that we've only been able to see in Battle, Battle Bond, but I really hope we go back to it at some point soon because it's just a really cool place. She is a fight fixer, and apparently her magic allows her to see emotional weaknesses in people. So as a fighter starts losing their ground and sort of starts slipping up, she's able to slip in and uh, take them out and prey on that weakness. So she's just another Azra, and the Azra are these really cool sort of like tiefling-esque creatures in and only so far seen in kylum they're they're just tieflings like <laughs> they have the exact same thing where they're like they're humanoids of some kind of vague demonic ancestry i think they're really cool i think she's really cool she is a blue black commander because her she does have a blue black ability in her box it's a hybrid it's good to go back to kylum even just for a little bit can't wait to go back for real for real Anywho, our next card is Tiny Bones, Trinket Thief. Tiny Bones is the cutest thing I've ever seen. I love Tiny Bones so much. <laughs> Everyone loves Tiny Bones. <laughs> their their uh, jumpstart uh, lore dump is Tiny Bones doesn't enjoy stealing. Tiny Bones doesn't enjoy hurting the people of Urwarg. Tiny Bones isn't in it for the adrenaline. Tiny Bones doesn't even have an adre- adrenal gland. No, Tiny Bones steals because Tiny Bones has a tiny family to feed. They have a giant appetite. So that is not only one of the most adorable lore things that they've ever released for a character. The fact that they have... I want to know how this family thing works and that they require a... um, They require sustenance because Tiny Bones is a skeleton. So, like, like, make, make it make sense, guys. Make it make sense. That's that's why their appetite is so big. They're skinny as bones. There's nothing in the lore that says that Tiny Bones' family is also skeletons. That's that's true. That's fair. But it's it's very interesting. My assumption is like so, as an Urborg spirit folk in these spirit towns, you know, uh, we talked about when Dominari was out. They kind of have this Miyazaki influence. And because of that, I figure Tiny Bones' family is, is more of a found family than, like, actual organism re- relatives or something. 
So, like, who knows? There could be, like, a little blob spirit. Uh, there could be a bunny rabbit. There could be a kobold. Maybe a wayward beeble. Maybe a vulture. I don't know. It could be all kinds of things. But the important thing is that when a professor of ethics, a philosopher of ethics, goes up to Tiny Bones and say, Would you steal to feed your family? Tiny Bones just gives a tiny little thumbs up. <laughs> I support this theory. I, I'm of the belief, um, and I, I think that uh, Tiny Bones has uh, a very small family, actually, uh, except one very large member of the family and Yargle. <laughs> Tiny, Bones, Tiny Bones is Yargle's dad or mom. Or parent. Or, or child. So, like, what I what I love about that lore description, like, Tiny Bones, so, for the folks who have watched Steven Universe, like, Tiny Bones gives off extreme onion energy to me. Uh, just this tiny little troublemaker who is really destructive and chaotic, and everyone's like, oh, Tiny Bones, why are you doing all this horrible stuff? And then it turns out it's, like, actually something kind of wholesome. And I like that. I can dig it. Well, yeah, Tiny Bones is a skeleton. Probably came out of a grave. <laughs> so our next card is Sephron, her loon general. Um, and his uh, description is a leader amongst the her loon minotaurs of Dominaria. Sethron is the first line of defense against any who would cross into her loon, the her loon valley. The sound of his flaming hammer greeting the skull of an intruder echoes for miles throughout the Red Iron Mountains. And like... This, this card made me wonder, is he like a descendant of Grizzlegrom, who was a Dominarian hero that Tongar saved? That would be really cool. I wish that were, like, something that they expounded upon. I also wish they had, like, printed a card for that hammer, because, like... That is a cool hammer. Yeah, that's a nice-looking hammer. Uh, the artist posted some reference images and sketch work that they did, including a little bit of that hammer. Um, so if you know... If you follow Jason Rainville on Twitter you get some really good background on Sethron's art. Here, I I have some advice for people. Follow Jason Rainville on Twitter, please. Pretty much every time he has new art in a set, he will have at least one thread that goes in-depth with reference shots and sketches and his work process and stuff. It's really, really good stuff if you like magic art. Yeah. Um, speaking of, of Dominaria, we also have uh, Muxus, Goblin Grandy. He's not from Dominaria. But he is in the set, and we covered him in a preview episode. But more excitingly, the actual next Dominaria card, uh, <laughs> because there's a lot of them in Jumpstart, is Inias the Gale Force. Uh, so Inias is a Dominarian Djinn, Djinn, whose Djinn, uh, whose power comes from storms. Uh, the fun thing about Inias to me is that uh, Inias is sort of the archetypical wish granter. Where any wish that uh, Inyaz grants comes with an equivalent cost. So if you you know wish for precious jewels and gold, you might lose an irreplaceable sentimental item. If you wish for extended life, it might cost the lifespan of a loved one. Uh, if you wish for, uh, I don't know, Mac to be on Arena, it won't work. <laughs> wow, that shade though, so cold. No, don't put Mac and Cheese into your computer, it won't get it on Arena. So what you're saying is we've left Steven Universe and entered um, Full Metal Alchemist. Law, the law of equivalent exchange. Inyaz has all of this great lore around being a, a djinn and a wish granter. And the abilities are mostly about flying creatures. 
uh, and moving items around, which is really interesting take on wish giving. We also have Emiel the Blessed, who is our first ever legendary unicorn, which is something people have been asking for for a while. Uh, Emiel is the green-white legend. So there's a green-white hybrid symbol in their text box. That's the part of the card. So Emiel is also also from Dominaria. Uh, Not where you would think, though. A lot of the unicorns we've seen are kind of off in Banalia. But Emiel is from outside New Archive and, and that part of Terrasier. So that's a cool little thing. Otherwise, they're just a unicorn. Card blinks for colorless mana. It's going to be ridiculous with the Eldrazi that makes the three Scions on <sighs> ETB. Like, it's in green-white. It's in commander that gives you infinite ETBs for creatures, infinite death triggers for creatures. It's, it's like... Eldrazi Displacer, except you don't have to have the colorless. It's just generic. And that's scary. Yeah, incredibly powerful card. Kind of scary. It is It is a very pushed unicorn, that's for sure. Uh, which is weird, because they usually do pulling, not pushing. Yeah. If they push you, it's going to really hurt, because they've got the horn. I remember that from Eldrain. Oh <laughs> There's a lot of legendary creatures in this set, but... Uh, some of them come from unknown locations or don't have much lore behind them, and so we're not going to really spend that much time on them to talk about. Yeah, so we're going to kind of go into the non-legendary stuff. So first up is Stonehaven Pilgrim, which is a core cleric. Uh, this is a card from Zendikar, and uh, Stonehaven is a location on Akum where... Uh, there are fallen pieces of flying debris and hedrons and stuff that have been kind of cobbled together uh, into this floating safe haven. And a bunch of core and goblins live there. And so this is just kind of a reference to that. They have a, a staff with, it's hard to tell what's on top, glowy sphere. It doesn't look like a hedron. It's glowy and cool and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> In case you haven't noticed in our discussions of this product so far, we love when offhand products like this do references to existing magic sets and worlds and places and specific lore things. So this is just another one of those cards. Uh, It's got me really excited for our return to Zendikar. Oh, we're going back to Zendikar? Yeah, I don't know if you've heard about it. Um, We're we're going back to a set called Zendikar Rising, and it's supposed to sort of like play on Zendikar in a way where... Uh, you know, the threat of the Eldrazi are gone, and we get to return to that sort of adventure world of Zendikar. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It's going to be real interesting to see how the, the core are, you know, adjusting to a world without Eldrazi. Uh, yeah, I, I hope the names and flavor text in this set are good. Uh, you know, I've heard the team they have working on them are pretty talented. <laughs> that was great. I was on this set, so we'll talk about that more in a couple <laughs> months. <laughs> uh, until then, we're going to go to a different plane. A plane called Eldraine, and I have no more rhymes for that because I don't want to rhyme anymore. The card out, Witch of the Moors is an Eldraine Witch. They're so cool. So they have this thing where, like, their regular arms will come out of their hoods and cloaks and whatnot. But then they'll have just, like, a bunch of other really creepy in, like, their human arms, but... And they bend like human arms, but they don't come out of the right places as human arms. Ah, they're so creepy. I love them. Sometimes they're baby arms, and that's even worse. The, the one with the baby arms and the apple in Eldraine is awesome that art's so good i loved it this one has an apple and lanterns uh yeah it's just got the one is like coming out the middle of her back 
<laughs> it's it's does that there's like one coming out of her leg and it has a cane. God, that's so good. Oh, yeah. the one coming out of her back is like pulling a knife out of her thing. That's murder. Yeah, no, they're super creepy and I love it. That's why she has death touch. Death touch. Yeah, uh, the flavor text is appropriate. Many hands for many evils. Our next card is Elsewhere Shepherd, which um, is on top of being a really cool card and arguably very powerful, maybe even legacy playable. We'll see. Um, it is... Wait, wait, hold, hold on. Can I do a little bit of shade? Just very briefly shade. Elves would have to be playable in Legacy for it to be playable in Elves. <laughs> okay, sh- shade over. I'm sorry, Brian. <sighs> you couldn't have waited till the end, like... <laughs> <laughs> no, tell me, no, the card, the card is really cool. Keep talking about the card. Just destroyed my spirit, <laughs> Lorelai. Why? It's, it's, it's... It's bad enough that Plague Engineers already killed everything that I love in all the formats that I wanted to play them in. But no, you have to go and do that too. Remind me that the deck isn't playable because one freaking card from Modern Horizons and... <laughs> what? That Modern Horizons set, whoever worked on that should feel should feel shame for what they did to the elves. You mean Commander Masters, right? Because that's what people were calling it. It's, it's all Commander Masters cards. <laughs> I feel no shame. Modern Horizons is my baby. It will always be my baby. I will always love that set unconditionally. <laughs> Allosaurus Shepherd uh, is... We're not exactly sure from whence it came because we assume that it's Dominaria because it, it's a throwback to Allosaurus Rider, which from was which was from Cold Snap, which was on Dominaria. But we never really got a, a really good understanding of where that group of elves may be so or at least i'm not aware presumably somewhere in terracier yeah. that's where cold snap took place and speaking of allosaurus writer that's a modern playable elf <laughs> but it's not yeah. playable in modern so do you say the neoform decks are not playable in modern i don't actually they're know. not there are they not <laughs> sure lorelei <sighs> You, I, look, you want to play elves in formats. I'm giving you elves in formats. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry we give you a hard time about elves. It, 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 Plague Engineer's a messed up card, though. I will agree. All right. So speaking of uh, dubiously playable tribes in other formats, uh, Goblin Lord. Hold, hold on. Hold on. Got... Hold on. We, we set you up with <laughs> decks that are barely and used to be playable in modern and into goblin lore and you didn't mention the hollow one deck Come on. i was getting i was getting to that god if we were a spike podcast these segues would be so good <laughs> the uh the dubiously playable goblin tribe and also the dubiously playable discard tribe in modern we have a reprint of goblin lore the very first time reprinted with new art um probably the i think it's only the third time it's ever been printed it was printed in Starter and then 10th edition, I believe. And then right. Portal 2nd Age. So I guess this is the fourth reprint. Uh, first first time in the newest frame also. Yes. It, it is a very... It was at one point a very highly sought after card because it was so rare. And it's finally getting reprinted. And it's getting reprinted with some brand new wonderful art and flavor text. And I will say the flavor text, when I first read it, I sort of just nodded along and went, Oh yeah, those are some famous goblins. And then realized... Wait. So the flavor text is the coronation of King Numsgull. No. Adventures of Tuk Tuk. No. 
the saga of Morpo the Bard, no, where's my story? And um, it's really interesting because King Numskill is, is famously mentioned in the flavor text for Goblin King. And we all know Tuk Tuk, the uh, adventurer from Zendikar. Uh, we don't know who Morpo the Bard is yet. Yet. But I'm looking forward to learning who Morpo the Bard is. I don't actually know. I hope it's a throw forward to something. I really, really hope so. Because flavor text throw forwards are really rare. And, um, you know, unless, like, I I just want it. Uh, Also, Tuk Tuk is not an explorer adventurer from Zendikar. Tuk Tuk is a lunch from Zendikar now. Thanks, Zada. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a big fan of flavor text throw forwards. I'm also a big fan of co- like random characters who are sort of aware of the multiverse. We don't know where uh-huh. this goblin is, but this goblin is referencing cards that are apparently are creatures or legendary goblins who are from other planes, different from each other. So we don't even know where Morpo is going to show up. Uh, yeah, somewhere out there is a library with a bunch of goblin stories, and that's really exciting. Or maybe that library is the one that's controlled by Ormo's Archive Keeper. <gasps> we didn't talk about that card. It's another card in the set. Yes. Another legend. Reading is cool, kids. Stay in school. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Don't go to school, please. I take yeah, it back. go to school online. Do, do online classes. Screw please. school. If your university is, like, forcing you to come in, please, by God, wear a mask. Wash your hands. Anyways, um, speaking of school, uh, one other really cool card that we have is it's uh, called Immolating Gyre. And so this is a mythic rare from one of the sets. I think it's from the spellcasting set, if I remember correctly. And it is a sorcery. And it's kind of like a big old burn spell, you know, deals X damage to each creature and planeswalker you don't control, where X is the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard. Oh, hold on. I didn't I didn't even realize it hit planeswalkers and it was only you don't control. Holy crap, yeah, that, that's that awesome. That card is great. It's red plaguewind. Um everything is a plaguewind if you try hard enough. But uh, the flavor text is a uh, nice army you had there, which is really cool. And the really, like, fascinating thing that I think is really cool and reason why I brought it up mentioning schools is the art features what looks to be one of the Gitu wizards spinning around and shooting some fire everywhere. Yep, they're the human mages of Shiv. And so some of them are in the Talarian Academy. So we saw some of that in Dominaria. Our next card is Steel Plume Marshall. And I picked this card because... The flavor text is hilarious to me. The defenders watched in terror as the Flying V split apart into a bristling battle formation. And the Flying V, for all of you kids who are too young to have watched this movie, is from the Mighty Ducks, and it's awesome. Uh, So (laughs) you should watch it on Disney+. Plus. I'm pretty sure it's on Disney+. Plus. Support Emilio Estevez. Yeah, so that that card makes me super happy. The flavor text makes me happy, and uh, go Knuckle Puck Go. (laughs) <laughs> i laughed really hard when i saw you typing that on the agenda <laughs> so that does it for the spells we're gonna move over to the lands now and uh kind of kind of i know we said every uh every theme has a, a new basic land uh that is almost true uh one theme does not have a basic land associated with it and instead of a basic land has terramorphic expanse which for the first time in magic history has new art We've got a thousand copies of Evolving Wilds with different art. 
And Tamarof Expanse was printed in Time Spiral. That's a long time ago. And uh, like, what, 2007, I think? So it's 13 years to get a second piece of art. So congrats. Folks have been asking for a new art in Terramorphic Expanse forever, and you got it. I'm, I'm really happy for you folks. Like, you are a very, very loud minority, and you got there. Good job. Yeah, I'm really excited for this new art for Terramorphic Expanse. I think it's gorgeous art. It includes uh, five different little bits of land that all sort of represent the five basic lands. It's also art by uh, Andreas Rocha who has done some amazing, amazing land art in the past. If you are a big fan of uh, the Evolving Wilds from Dragons of Tarkir, which is the second best Evolving Wilds, I think you'll really love this Terramorphic Expanse. Uh, Andreas Rocha also did Opal Palace from the Commander sets, which is just, one, a really underrated Commander card, and two, a really beautiful piece of art. It's not on our agenda, but sh- shout out. So there, there's a cycle of lands that ETB tapped, tapped for one color, and then when they enter the battlefield, you choose another color. So they're dual lands for whatever two colors you end up in, and then there's a cycle. So there's like a base white, blue, black, red, and green one. Uh, they each have different artists. Like The art for these five are incredible. So uh, thrive, I, j- I just want to shout out to these five artists because, God, they crush this. So there is Thriving Heath by Alana Danner, uh, Thriving Isle by Jonas Del Rowe, Thriving Moor by Titus Lunter, Thriving Bluff by Johannes Voss, and Thriving Grove by Jen Ravenna Tran. And God, these pieces are good. These are gorgeous, gorgeous lands. And I'm saying that in a set where, like, the basics are obscene. Jen Ravenna Tran has been absolutely killing magic art in the like i can't think of anyone else who's been doing work that has just been so powerful and so varied like her style just jumps from one thing to another and it's always gorgeous she first popped on my radar when she did the eldest reborn and that is one of my favorite pieces of art ever and favorite pieces of magic art ever and since then she's done some other wonderful pieces the showcase murderous writer uh, she's did Blow Your House Down in Eldraine, which is just this sort of gorgeous take on the Big Bad Wolf. Um, in the same set that she did Heraldic Banner, which is this totally different looking piece of art. Uh, very different stuff. She also did a bunch of ink pieces for the showcase cards for Eldraine, too. She's she's wonderful. I love Jen. Jen, you're great. I don't you're not listening, but you're great anyway. Everyone who's listening, go tell Jen she's great. She also did Iceberg Cancrix, which I know you're a big fan of. Hell yeah. Um, it's my baby. She did Thriving Grove, beautiful land, beautiful piece of art, uh, gorgeous. Uh, but moving along, some of the other basic lands we wanted to mention. Uh, the land from the Enchanted Pack is a basic plains. And it has a really interesting take on how we look at basic lands and Theros. So we had those special cycle of the sort of basic lands from the Theros Beyond Death that were set on Nyx. And this is a basic plan planes that is looking from Nyx into Theros. And so you see the edge around it with the sort of Nyxian sky, and it's like sort of peering down onto a planes. That's that's a great looking planes. And the fact that this isn't 
foil like you can't get these in foil makes me very sad because i would love to put Ugh. this into my heliod deck could you imagine the dog planes and the dog is in foil could yes. you imagine a shiny dog give me that i'm like inject that kind of content right into my veins please uh but that would be great uh maybe they'll do some kind of reprint with these lands later that would i would really hope so but i want some of these in foil anyway our next land is going to be a land that i'm not as super thrilled about it's the elf forest now i'm going to go on a slightly uh hostile rant here now <laughs> this forest is nothing but a bunch of spears lining up around what appears to be some kind of path with maybe, I'm not sure if it's just all spears going back or if there's some trees behind there, but I would like you to think of an elf. Just just picture what you think of an elf in combat or anywhere, just any doing anything. Oh, okay, that's very open-ended. Uh, Radha's crushing my skull with her thighs. Uh, continue. That's... You know what? You do you, Lord Lie. You do you. But oh, my, my point... My obviously, p- I'd prefer Radha do me. <laughs> right. Uh, this is a family-friendly podcast sometimes. <laughs> sure it is. Regardless of that, nothing nothing with that makes me think of spears. I think of bows and arrows. I think of swishies, thin-looking swords. I don't really think spears. You know, there are some spears that you think of. The Elvish Champion from 7th edition or so, like, they have some weird-looking spears. They don't look like that. But, you know what? That's not even that big of a deal. But when you look at some of the other basic lands from this set, and if they're centered around a specific creature type, you see that creature type in the art. I don't see anything... I don't see an elf in this art. I don't see anything that makes me think of an elf in this art. And it just, it makes no sense to me at all. Like, um, one of my favorite arts from the set is Legions, or the Legions plane, and it has a bunch of soldiers on it, and it evokes the thought of Legions. This 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 forest does not make me think elves, and it makes me very sad, because like I can visualize in my head what I would want an elf forest to look like. I can see a row of arrows surrounding this forest, or like in front of you, like you're, I can see just facing, look, looking from the ground, you can see arrows and it's like you're tilting your face upwards and you can see a tree line with an elf with a bow and arrow drawn. I, I can see that. And I would just love, I would love to know what the arc direction behind this card is because like it makes me so sad that whoever, whatever the arc description was for this card, like I don't know, like Johannes Voss is great. Like, I just want to put that out there. I love his art. Um, I love the, uh, oh, what's the name of that stupid enchantment? Um, Daybreak Cornet with a Leon on it. I think, it, I think it's Brimass because it's mentioned on the flavor text. But, like, I love that. Like, I love Johannes Voss's art. Yeah, but it's yeah just like, so you're not being critical of the technical aspects of this piece, to be clear. Yes. Like, it, it's it's a it's a good-looking force, but I'm, I'm upset with the fact that this does not evoke the the theme of this of the of the set that it's in elves whereas all, all of the other like the vast majority of the other lands from this product are magnificent representations of what a land for their product would be like the goblin mountain or the dinosaur forest or like the blasting mountain or like the spooky swamp or the millstone island like there are some really sweet things for these basic lands i feel like elves really got the shaft here but that's my rant um <laughs> shaft i get it because they're spears yeah 
Uh, I wanted to make that pun. You all beat me to it. Oh, well. Uh, do you see, Chris, I'm a professional. Uh, to to a last kind of little comment uh, for Elf Forest. Uh, Brian, don't like this art. Would this have been better if it was forest art in the Elf Things with a plague engineer on it? Lorelai, you want to fight? Is that, is that what you is that what you want? Is that is like? <laughs> I'm sorry. I do agree with the whole rant that it this feels uh, from a concept point is like doesn't feel elfy, elvish, elvish. Yeah, there were a lot of options there for how to make it more elfy and elvish, elfy. Yeah, there were a lot of options, and they didn't go with them, so it's very disappointing. Now I just want to errata all instances of Elvish to Elfie in Magic History. Elfie visionary. <laughs> oh god, please, move on. <laughs> um, so, you mentioned in your in your rant there uh, how evocative the Mill Island is. And so the Mill Island has this beautiful, beautiful art. Uh, I mean, all of the art in this these lands is beautiful. Um, but this one has this beautiful art of what appears to be a human head sort of being ground down and water rushing over it. It's literally the art for Millstone that's been used recently. Just It's, it's literally covered the art in water. for Millstone from originally printed in Magic 2014, um, covered in water. And it's really evocative, really sort of hits home that idea of milling a word that they fought against keywording for so long. Um, but now they finally have, which is great. Then there's the well-read island. So uh, I'm not going to read my note that I wrote <laughs> down for this card because it's profanity. Uh, very good profanity because th- this is just like an island exploding into books abstractly. It's so good. And there's like a little boat and it's just an island of giant books with this waterfall. And they're going every. This piece is incredible. The, it's an Adam Paquette land like... That, it's so abstract and enjoyable, but like the the imaginative realism makes you think it could still be a real place. It's it's almost like a Mario level, right? Where where you know you just take a thing and make a giant, and that's the level. And it's just so quirky and fun, and I love it. Unlike the absolute other end of the spectrum is the Frexian Swamp, which first notably is not written in English. It is a uh, a card that is only available in the Frexian language, which we can't actually translate because Eli Schifrin keeps it secret because that's a reasonable position to take if you're the only person in the world who can read and write Frexian. So this is a, a piece by Titus Lutner um, set on New Frexia, and you know he kind of gave us a rundown of, of all the layers of Frexia he put into it. So this is a Frexian obliterator standing on top of a Frexian altar, in front of a collapsed version of Ishsa, the Vault of Whispers, in the color palette of Death Cloud. So he just dumped big Frexian energy into the swamp. Uh, you, so like even even the language marker on the bottom of the card has a PH for Frexian, which is the first time that's ever been used. And like this is p- potentially going to be the most sought after card in this entire product. Because how can it not? It's just an absolute slam dunk in every aspect of it. Like, I, I think it's the most exciting card in the set. It's absolutely a triumph of land art. And that should not surprise anyone who knows about Titus Lenter's, uh 
history of magic. He he does some of the most impressive landscapes. Absolute master of, of the basic land art. But moving on a little bit from Titus, we have another piece of art from Adam Paquette uh, through the lens of the witchy swamp. And so the witch pack has this basic swamp where you're kind of looking at the world through a cauldron. And it was something I didn't really pick up at first. You're looking at the world through the inside of this witch's cauldron and you have the eyeball floating. You've got some little skeletal hand. You've got some other sort of lizardy claws and hands. It was probably newts. Probably newts. Do newts have hands and claws? Yes. Well, not anymore because they're in this cauldron. And I think that was a really fun take on a swamp. It's it's another piece of, you know, very evocative basic land art that doesn't really show you land. But you still look at it and go, ah, yes, this is definitely a swamp. Our next land is the Legion's Plains, which is one of, one of if not, is my favorite um, land of the set. Uh, it's... Like, this is what, like, if you say the word Legion, what this art is depicting is exactly what I would think of. Like, you see rows of soldiers just lined up in in formation, getting ready to march out and maybe, like, march out to battle somewhere. It's it's a really awesome, sweet art, and I love it, and I'm going to get a print of this when I can. This is a great set of art. Uh, it reminds me a lot, uh, so they we had the guild-specific lands from uh, Ravnica, Guilds of Ravnica and Ravnica Allegiance. Uh, one of the, the Boros Plains was kind of this, like, really high-up um, bird's-eye view of um, marching formations down down the street in Ravnica. Uh, this feels more like a, you know, second-story balcony, uh, much more close-up image of a similar kind of formation. Yeah obviously really effective for the theme like th- this 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 card or this art is what i think of when i think of the card assemble the legion like if uh-huh. i ever have a deck with assemble the legion i would want this this planes as my planes art so we have a spooky swamp and uh you know spooky is not a very strict sounding theme but uh this ha- swamp has very specific art uh, because it's, you know, I didn't notice that at first, but on the on the far left side and, and kind of towards the bottom, uh, on top of a gravestone, you can see a collar, just Avacyn's collar, the symbol of her church. Werewolves hate those. <sighs> My God. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Lorelai. <laughs> you know, I, I appreciated them setting the spooky swamp on the spooky plane. I will say I'm a little disappointed because... We've had Innistrad graveyard swamps before, so it it just it feels like a location that we've already experienced. But for this kind of product to align Innistrad with the spooky theme, I think is the right decision. I do think it's really nice that they didn't put the zombie swamp on Innistrad, but it's also a graveyard scene, so they they sort of subverted that a little bit. Once you get monsters out there, it becomes a graveyard smash. So. All right, so we also want to talk a little bit about the ex- the excellent Minotaur Mountain. And so for the Minotaur's pack, there's, you know, Minotaurs are, are pretty famously part of Theros. And so the Minotaur Mountain depicts the Minotaur Polis of Skophos. 
And you get to see the sort of labyrinth there, the sort of towering stonework of the Minotaur. I think it's 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 a gorgeous piece of art, and it's really fun to think about the world of the Minotaurs on Theros, because that's sort of an untapped story potential uh, where I hope we get more about them. And this is sort of a look into what a Minotaur's life would be like. Yeah, Skophos was one of my favorite things working on Theros Beyond Death. Um, I'm glad we got a look at Minotaur mages and not just barbarians. And, you know, they have a whole polis. It's, uh, this piece is great. We're going to end with a card that Brian actually also alluded to earlier, a dinosaur forest. So this is set on Ixalan, and you can see um, a pterosaur way in the background, a kind of triceratops thing in the midground, and uh, some kind of theropod, small theropod in the foreground. And you know it's obviously Ixalan because of the colorful feathers, the the yellow and purples and reds and whatnot. And uh, that's like there are dinosaurs on other planes. You know we just had a major dinosaur theme on uh, a minor dinosaur theme, but dinosaurs were one of the five tribes on on uh, God Ikoria. Why are they on both the I planes? <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, you know, Ixalan is the plane that introduced dinosaurs back into magic. So I, I think it's definitely fitting that they uh, that that is the location of the dinosaur forest. Can we edit in the uh, the John Williams score from Jurassic Park? <laughs> no. But in the background as you're discussing it? No, nope. that's all I can think of. Uh uh-uh. All right. <laughs> We're not cutting this part out because we want the, the, the listeners to hear that we discuss this because it should be there. So. Everyone direct your, your complaints at Lorelai. <laughs> we don't need to put it in because I can just sing it. Do, 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 There you go. Are you happy so, now? Slightly. Um, I, I, I haven't been happy in months, Lorelai. <laughs> look, at, look at the state of the world. Anyways, this sounds like a great transition for uh, final thoughts. <laughs> My final thought is just no thoughts, head empty. I'm very tired. I did a lot of work today. I've been doing a lot of work this week. I've, I've been very busy, and I'm going to continue to be busy. And uh, <laughs> y'all will see the fruits of that labor later. But, um, you know, g- good things are coming. I promise. My final thought is uh, I need to play some more EDH. And uh, if you're ever bored and want to play a game, shoot me a message on Twitter. I'm generally working from 8 to 5, but, you know, anytime after 6 p.m., just shoot me a DM, and uh, I'll probably be available to play, except for on Thursdays, probably, but, you know. What What is your method of play? Because that will be important for webcam. people who would like to play Commander with you. Webcam. Okay, so Paper Commander. Yes, Paper Commander via webcam on spell table. Sweet. Chris, final thoughts? My final thought is that the recording with Yichao for the Beyond the Multiverse episode was a lot of fun, and I'm really excited to do more of those. Uh, And also my second final thought, because I'm taking two, because I'm greedy, is that so this is going to be the final episode in the month of June. And so the next time you hear us, it'll be July, and we will be done with our sort of donating the month of June to the Martha P. Johnson Institute. But I want to encourage everyone to keep supporting organizations and causes out there that help especially help black trans women and trans people who need that assistance Uh, one of my favorites that i've been supporting recently is the okra project and i think you should look into them they have a wonderful mission about bringing cultural food 
to black and indigenous people of color who are trans and supporting them. And yeah, that's uh, my final thought. Yeah, they they were uh, one of the charities I was definitely looking into when we were kind of planning this whole thing. Uh, yeah, uh, black people are going to continue to exist after June. Queer people are going to continue to exist after June. So um, keep doing things, please, because we like being alive. <laughs> wow, this episode really just got more and more depressing <laughs> as it went. Uh, the good news is we filled literally an entire episode with these jumpstart flavor gems so that's cool so uh you know if if you're excited for new cards and exciting art which hopefully you are because you're vorthos and that's a part of it um you can head over to patreon.com slash the vorthos cast and help support our show if you get uh pledges in in the next day or two that can all go to our um, charity work for this month and um we got lots of fun rewards for the folks who join our Patreon. Everyone gets access to our Discord community where Borthoses from around the world are talking about M21 and Jumpstart. And God, I just saw Mark Rosewater on Tumblr said he's working on his Double Masters previews. So we're going to be in like endless preview season. Zendikar will be here before you know it. God, it'll be like three years from now and Jace will have a kid and we won't know who the mother is. It'll be a wild adventure. That's not actually future things. I'm just kind of being hyperbolic. But, um, you know, we have a we have a wonderful community that we would love for you to be a part of. And uh, we do uh, monthly episodes called Pull from the Deep. They're just kind of short stuff we put up on Patreon for uh, a higher tier level about whatever topics we need to figure one out for this month, folks. So let's maybe do that soon. <laughs> um, shh. Sometimes <laughs> we do them last minute. Uh, and then at our highest tier, we have live listeners. So you can head over on our Discord on Thursday nights around 7 to 7.30 Eastern Time and listen to us record the show. That gets you the content a couple days early. You can chat with us before and after the show. You can listen to some stuff that might get cut out of an episode. There's a lot being cut out of this episode. You can listen to me do really cute hiccups. Uh, it's a big perk. <laughs> and, uh, you know, everyone who supports us on Patreon is wonderful, and we love you. And, um, you know, we, we super appreciate our listeners and everyone who helps keep the show going and makes this show possible. Thank you, all of you, for listening. This has been the Porthos Cast.